Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, Matthew Campbell's sarcoidosis spread from his lungs to his heart. You know, I like, I knew I was out of shape, but you know, I was struggling to run like 80 yards. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. He thought he had beaten the disease, but it came back as sarcoidosis often does. And uh, I remember I got off the phone and I told my wife, I was like, I think this is serious because this guy's on vacation. It's Easter yeah. weekend. And he, just, and he just called me on my cell uh-huh. phone to see how I was doing. Matthew Campbell's story and a bit of thanks to you from the FSR Gala coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. This is the Sark Fighter podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is episode 90 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. This episode brought to you by Atire Pharmaceuticals. On the heels of their successful phase two clinical trial, Atire Pharma has launched a phase three clinical trial in pulmonary sarcoidosis, and this is very promising as we look for a potential cure, a potential drug that uh, is designed specifically for sarcoidosis. And this study will test whether efsofitamod, the drug, will allow people to reduce the dose of steroids they're taking to treat their disease while maintaining symptom control and preserving lung function. So go back and listen to episode 65 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast with ATAR Pharma's president and CEO, Dr. Sanjay Shukla. And to learn more, you can look for a link in the show notes. I recently hosted the FSR Town Hall with 23andMe, where we looked at the role of genetics in sarcoidosis, and that is the episode just prior to this one, episode 89. It's a fascinating discussion where the people who look at all the DNA testing that's going on right now with the support and permission of people who have allowed them to look at their DNA and search for connections to sarcoidosis uh, are talking all about what they have found, and they've found a lot. And so I suggest you go back after this show and then give that a listen. Today, I have an interview with Matthew Campbell of Richmond, who went from thinking that Sark was gone from his lungs to a much more serious case when it then appeared in his heart. And he's going to talk about that. You know, we're going to have to see if the treatment is helping the spread in the in the heart. Um, but I mean, they see it other places, you know, which they'd never talked. But my doctor's like, "Yeah, you got it in your spleen." He's like, "But that's kind of a throwaway organ. We don't care about that." You but know? it's in. It is in your spleen. Mm-hmm. Matthew's doing quite well, but it is a story I'm anxious to share with you, and that'll be coming up in just a few minutes. But meanwhile, the FSR Crystal Awards Gala was May 24th of 2023 in Washington, D.C., and I do have to share a bit about that. On January the 9th, 2020, a trailer dropped for a new podcast with the goal of giving those fighting for sarcoidosis a voice and to give them hope. In his trailer, John Carlin, an anchor on WSLS 10 Evening News, boldly shared bits about his own harrowing sarcoidosis journey, 
and pledged to use his unique skills as a reporter to share with the community cutting-edge information on the disease, the latest progress in research, and to highlight other patient stories. So that was SARC fighter Calvin Harris introducing me and presenting me with the Crystal, Crystal Inspiration Award at the gala. And that was just a very, I mean, wonderful, but small part of everything that was going on sarcoidosis-wise, podcast-wise. Um, there's just so many dots that I have to connect for, for you. And this is really the only place that I know how to do it. And I think that if there's anybody who, who would want to listen to that, it would be this audience because it's really all about you. And there's so many people who have come through this podcast and then wound up at the gala. So let me just let me just connect some of those dots for you, if I could. Um, first of all, Sark fighter Calvin Harris introduced me and presented me with the award. I just said that. But Calvin himself is an inspiration. He was a guest on the podcast back in episode 54. I'll have a link in the show notes. His lungs are clogged with sarcoidosis, and yet he trained for and ran the New York Marathon. But what I love about this is that Calvin came to be a part of FSR through his contact with this podcast. Now, Calvin has a wonderful blog called Run Your Own Race, which is published by Sarcoidosis News. I found it. I've been reading it. And so I reached out to Calvin and asked him to appear on the show. He agreed, obviously. And, but then the next thing I know, he's volunteering with FSR and introducing me at an awards gala. What? That's crazy, right? So then there is a professional video team with Netflix credibility shooting the video of the gala. And behind all that is Warren Robinson, whose father died from sarcoidosis, and But there's Warren with his entire camera crew. Warren was a guest on the podcast in episode 50, and there'll be a link in the show notes. And in fact, he provided to me the clip that you just listened to, and there's more to come from everything he shot at the event. He and his camera crews were everywhere over a period of at least two days. I'm not even sure what the plans are for that video, uh, I'm sure that he is working behind the scenes with FSR, and they, they plan to do some sort of a video presentation with it. And as soon as that happens, I will let you know. But it's a lot, all right? It's a lot. And then everywhere I turned, there were people from Atire Pharma and Kind Event and other pharmaceutical companies who are working on drugs to treat sarcoidosis, and they're there at the gala. They're, they're interested in what's going on. Um, I met all the people, myself, for the first time in person, the FSR team, instead of being on a Zoom call. And I also met a lot of the leadership from the board of directors. And I just got to tell you what a treat it was to uh, to meet then fellow Sark fighter and noted actress, Gerald Prescott Galian, who's, who has become an amazing leader in our movement and a spokesperson and you could just couldn't ask for uh, a more beautiful and articulate person than Gerald to to do this. She is she was a fellow Crystal Award winner, and she told me that she would be happy to appear on the podcast. So pressure, pressure, hint, hint. Uh, 
Gerald Prescott Galleon. Uh, I am uh, going to be reaching out to you and, and hoping that you can find time in your busy schedule to appear here on the Sark Fighter podcast. Um, so all of that is going on. I do have to mention a couple of other really important things, important to me, but also important to you. Um, my family surprised me by being there, and I will explain that to you by way of uh, some other important things that happened uh, during this event. First of all, my wife and I, Mary, had been in D.C. for a day or so. We wanted to get there a day early so we could attend the congressional briefing where a panel of doctors and patients, uh, Dr. Ennis James and then SARC fighter Erica Courtney Mann and FSR CEO Mary McGowan were on the panel along with uh, Gerald Prescott Galleon. And the, the thing is, is that all these people have been on the podcast, right? Um, Dr. Ennis James, uh, Courtney, Erica Courtney Mann, who, who, was, who was a guest, and I'll have a link to, to her episode in the show notes. Mary McGowan has been on the podcast numerous times. And then I just mentioned uh, Dr. Gerald Prescott Galleon, the actress. Uh, and, but she had also been a professor prior to her acting career, so she has a Ph.D., and, but together, they formed a panel informing members of Congress, Representative Eleanor Holmes Norton and Representative Danny Davis, about this new 62-page white paper that FSR has created as part of the Ignore No More campaign. And what they're trying to do is get Congress involved and find ways to make it easier for black SARC participants to participate in clinical trials with ideas such as, and these are great ideas, uh, and Congress could help, a tax credit if you participate in a clinical trial, and then also FMLA rules that would force employers or at least make it easier for employers to cooperate with the needs of people who have to be off of work for regular doctor visits as part of a clinical trial. So, uh, you know, I have a very nice health plan at my work, and I think that they would work with me uh, because they always have whenever something came up sarcoidosis-related. But let's say I participated in a clinical trial. Well, my normal situation is I have five sick days. That's pretty common, right? Um, But if I needed to travel to, say, go three or four or five hours to be part of a clinical trial once a month, I would run out of sick days, and FMLA probably would not cover that the way the rules are written right now. Um, so let's say you've got somebody who has a, a maybe even a less cooperative employer, but they want to participate in a clinical trial. Um then then what would happen would be that the rules would say, hey, if this person signs up to go through all the stress of this trial, you as an employer have to let them do that, and you have to be cooperative, and you can't hold it against them. So, um, I th- I, you know, those are, those are great things that they were talking to these two members of Congress about, and it, it was a wonderful thing to be there and to listen to that. And I know Warren and his team recorded all of that, and, and hopefully it'll be surfacing somewhere soon, and I can make it so that you can listen to that or I can guide you to it one way or another. But I think I could do an entire podcast just on that. Maybe I'll have Mary come on uh, from FSR, and, and we'll see if she wants to talk about the white paper. But that's down the road. Let's see what happens. But the night of the gala, 
All these important people were around. We are at the cocktail reception prior to the gala, which uh, was held at Union Station in Washington, D.C. Warren had just interviewed me for part of whatever it is he's working on. I had my back turned. I was talking to Dr. George Mensa from the National Institutes of Health, also receiving a Crystal Award. And we're taking pictures with all the dignitaries and all the awardees. And I turn around, and there were all three of my sons, Jonathan, Benjamin, and Tyler, and their wives, Beth, Alice, and Emily, dressed to the nines and smiling at me. They had jumped through all kinds of hoops to get uh, other family members to take care of my grandchildren so that they could be in Washington, D.C. and surprise me. And you could have knocked me over with a feather. I, I had no idea they were coming. And I just want to publicly thank them for being there and for making this evening even more more special than it was for me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, they came, they, they, they watched the gala, they understand more about sarcoidosis. Um, when, when I gave my speech, um, it meant so much more to have family members hear it. Uh, I, I mean, I wanted, I was addressing it to the sarcoidosis community, but I think they kind of understood what all it is that I do when I'm working on this podcast or other things related to SARC. And uh, it was just great to have family support there. Um, so look, there there are, so thank you guys. There's so many people to thank. I made so many connections, and I hope that all of that will wind up bearing fruit as the podcast grows and becomes more and more effective as a vehicle for hope and connections in the sarcoidosis world. And I think what I want to do is uh, later, I will play the audio from my very brief speech and also Calvin's introduction, and I'll do this uh, later on in the podcast. And um, I do want you to listen carefully, however, because as I walked up to the stage, they played the Sark Fighter theme song, Zombie, from Mark Steyer, yet here's another connection, who wrote and recorded the song in Canada and appeared as a guest way back in episode 12. Now, I hope you give it a listen, but uh, honestly, there, there's enough about me. I've got to get to the important stuff, and that is the latest story for you to hear, and that is today's guest, Matthew Campbell of Richmond, Virginia, and he's coming up next here on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie Just feeding at stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS, kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. Joining me now is Matthew Campbell in Richmond, Virginia, not too awfully far from where I'm sitting. Matthew, good morning. Hey, good morning, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. The question is, how are you doing? You uh, you just recently you were telling me finally got off prednisone. Yes, yes, I uh, was able to scale down and uh, get off of it again. Not my first go around with it, so um, that always feels good. 
It's always a good feeling. So let's let's get uh, listeners up to speed on your situation. You have uh, sarcoidosis involvement in your heart and in your lungs. So cardiac and pulmonary sarcoidosis. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. And when did you first start knowing that something was wrong? So 2015, end of 2015, I really realized that I had uh, been let myself get out of shape. Um, so I wanted to get back in shape. And my brother-in-law played basketball in Charlottesville in a rec league. And so he's like, hey, you know, come play ball. And so I started, you know, towards the end of that 2015, trying to get back in shape, you know, do some running and stuff. Um, and I'd always be able to run pretty easily. Um, you know, spent some few years in the Marine Corps and I was a good runner. And, um, I was really shocked by how bad I was. Um, you know, I like, I knew I was out of shape, but you know, I was struggling to run like 80 yards and I was like, this is, this is crazy. So, you know, just kept pushing through it. Um, got a little better, uh, did 2016, you know, was playing early, playing some ball and, um, you know, it was hard. Uh, I ended up borrowing like an albuterol inhaler from a family member because I would wheeze some. And I just figured it was part of getting older. You know, I was 37 at the time and, you know, some maybe some exercise induced asthma. Um, so I think it was about April 2016, I went to a primary care doctor to actually get a prescription for inhaler. And, you know, he kind of asked me what my symptoms were and, you know, he kind of agreed, hey, it's probably just some asthma. Let's do a chest X-ray. So we did the chest X-ray, and he came back in the room, and he said, are you sick? And I said, no. And he said, have you been sick? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. And then he started asking really odd questions, like, was I raised on a farm? Um, was hmm. I raised around birds? Hmm. And uh, like, like, you know, ducks and chickens, stuff like that. I was like, no. And uh, I said, what's going on? So he he showed me my x-ray and you know, went on like Google images, said, hey, this is what a normal lung x-ray looks like. And this is what your lungs look like. And it was horrible. Hmm. He's like, you know, there's just a lot of white distillation through the tissues and, you know, clouding. And he's like, this isn't, you know, it doesn't look right. So he wanted me to get a you know CT scan done. And I remember it was a Monday because he's like, I really want it done this week because I'm going on vacation. And, you know, he's like, I'd like to get, you know, see what's going on. So we set up a CT scan, the insurance company kind of you know, bailed on it, wanted me to see a pulmonary specialist, you know, be another month. And I remember the first time I realized it might be serious was it was that next weekend and my cell phone rang and it's like a Saturday afternoon. It was the doctor and he was on vacation in Florida and he mm -hmm. called me to ask me why I hadn't gotten the CT scan. I told him about the insurance company. And uh, I remember I got off the phone and I told my wife, I said, I think this is serious because this guy's on vacation. It's Easter yeah. weekend. And he just and he just called me on my that's cell phone to see how I was doing. That's unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, you know, not unprecedented, but it's rare. It's rare. Right. So fast forward about a month and a half later, I go to see a pulmonary doctor. Um, you know, I told my boss, hey, I'll you know, be a little late into work. You know, he looked at the chest x-ray. He said, you know, go to the hospital, get another chest x-ray because it's right next door. It looked the same. You say, go see, go get a CT scan, you know, at an imaging clinic, you know, like an hour and a half later. Um, and then go get some blood work done. 
And so I went, did it all, did the blood work. It was like early afternoon. He called me and he's like, hey, so I got your CT scan. He's like, it looks worse than the x-ray. He's like, I, I don't know what's going on, but it's not good. I think you need to have a lung biopsy. And um, he said, so what you know, are you, what can... are you thinking right then? I'm thinking I was really confused because, yeah, you know, it. I felt like they were worried that it was something really bad. But then they also, you know, got the feeling that it couldn't. They also thought it couldn't be that bad. And later they confirmed that I was right, that, um, you know, if it was cancer, then I should have been in really bad shape. But it just looked so bad. They didn't have any, you know, time frame of how long it's been going on. So, um, and he was really great. And he said, hey, in a few minutes, a thoracic surgeon's office is going to call you. They're going to set up a surgery. Um, he's like, I've already consulted with a surgeon. Yeah, he thinks, he's looked at your imaging. He thinks that's the best thing is do a biopsy. Um, so he was really great. You know, he said, I went home. He gave me a cell phone number. Um, my wife and I had just had our second kid about two months before. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the timing was a little, little not, not fantastic. And uh, so, you know, but he, he got us on the phone and just explained to my wife, you know, why he thought that's the right thing to do. So, you know, did the lung biopsy. You know, that was not, not fun. It's a couple of days in the hospital. So you have to have chest tube and everything. So, um, and uh, about three weeks to recover from it. Uh, just because of lifting restrictions. And about two weeks after the surgery, he called me and said, hey, you have sarcoidosis. Um, wow. So Was he, was was he a, surprised it was sarcoidosis? He's a little bit, but he said, you know, he's like, I didn't want to alarm you. He said, I just felt like it was either sarcoidosis or it was something else that would be really bad. So, um, and I remember at the time, my comment to him, and I was upset, and I said, I said, I wish it was cancer. And he said, uh, he said, no, you don't. He said, but I know why you're saying that. He said, because at least with cancer, there's a chance you could cure it. And so I, so I said, you, al yeah. you already knew that sarcoidosis was bad or you then did some research and figured it out and then said that to him? No, I knew because my, uh, my sister has pulmonary sarcoidosis. Oh, and she had had it okay. for about three to four years before I ever was diagnosed with it. Interesting. Yeah, it is. I am. I'm actually in a research study at University of Virginia, and the person there said they never have seen siblings have the exact same, you know, sarcoidosis. So it's not common. But no, it's not. And then you know, so you worry: is it is it hereditary or some sort of genetic predisposition, or was it environmental? Because you and your sister may have been exposed to similar environments raised around birds or ducks. <laughs> I, don't, I never heard that one, but I don't know what he was fishing for there. Um, well, apparently if you're raised on a farm, hay dust can get in your lungs. Yeah. And then also with, um, there's some viruses that go around mm -hmm. with certain birds that can get into your lungs and have a weird presentation. So I'd never heard that either, but. Yeah. Cause I was raised on a farm and, and I spent a lot of time in and around hay dust that uh, we had horses and we, we bailed <laughs> our own hay. Um, but I don't have pulmonary sarcoidosis, so I don't know. Gotcha. That's oh man, that's weird. Yeah. So uh, how is well now since you brought up your sister, how is your sister? Is she doing okay? I mean, she struggles with it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. 
she's uh, sometimes, you know, her lymph nodes tend to get inflamed. And when they do, it tends, you know, I don't have that issue, but pushes kind of some pressure on her spine and sometimes causes like, you know, numbness in her legs, stuff like that. But, um, you know, she's managed to handle it without too much medication. You know, occasionally she has to kind of go on prednisone for a while, get right. it calmed down and then get off. So, yeah. So you, you knew about sarcoidosis was as all the stuff was going on with your lungs. Was it in the back of your mind that it was sarcoidosis? Had you suggested that to your doctor or was that not even on your radar? It wasn't on my radar at all. I really? literally just thought I was getting old now. Shape, you wow. know? Even, and even when the lung scans started coming back negatively. So when the scans came back, then I kind of got more concerned, but you know, it wasn't until like, you know, they talked about doing the surgery that I'm like, okay, this is, this is something serious. And yeah, yeah that's when yeah. it got a little concerning. So, yeah. um, so the doctor tells you that you have sarcoidosis. You tell him, I wish it was cancer because there's a chance that it could be cured. And I'm sure in hindsight, you didn't, you're, you're, you're not, um, you did not want that to be cancer. So what, what treatment did they prescribe for you going forward at that point? So immediately, um, well, I say immediately, you know, after I started having some follow-ups, we went on prednisone, I want to say 60 or 80 milligrams, somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, in Richmond, the doctor said, you know, it, there wasn't quite the medical support that he was looking for. So he said, I would advise either UVA or Duke. Obviously, UVA is a lot closer. So sure, um, sure. he was able to get me in there really quickly to the pulmonary group up there. So prednisone, and then I think a few months into that, we started um, a immune suppressant called Imuran, um, and went on that and stayed on that for probably I want to say close to a year. Um, but then it it just kept tanking my white blood cell count so badly. Hmm. Yeah, they wanted to come down, but it was getting like so low that they pulled me off. And actually. It, it took about two years to come back up. At some point I had a bone marrow biopsy because they were so concerned um, that my white blood count wouldn't respond, wouldn't come back up after I mm. came off the Imuran that they, um, you know, they did a bone marrow biopsy because they were concerned about possible some sarcoid involvement around there. Um, so yeah, I did Imuran for probably a little over a year and got off that and then, you know, kept Lungs kept improving, you know, lung function. Every time we check, it was getting better. And I really started, you know, in like 2018, exercising a lot. You know, I joined the Y. I started going to the Y, you know, I get, when they opened at five in the morning, I'd be there at five o'clock and then exercise. And then I found out that a bunch of other crazy people want to play basketball at like 536 in the morning. So um, we would play basketball three times a week and I'd work out. And, uh, you know, got off prednisone and, and really started, you know, not having as many issues with it. Yeah. All right. So, well, that's good. And, uh, and you were able to, uh, shoot your three pointers, uh, from your guard position and sink some. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a lot of fun playing. So good. Good. Were you a high school player? No, no, I never oh, played okay. high school. I just, okay. I just, you know, was able to jump high and, you know, like, like to fall. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Similar, similar. Um, so at this point you and your wife 
have two children or three children or where were you in your in your family development at that point um so that's 2018 so we were getting ready to have our third okay so i i have i have four kids i have my oldest son from my first marriage that lives with me so i have an 18 year old a nine-year-old a seven-year-old and a four-year-old as of today so holy, holy cow that's a houseful. Wow. Yeah, and the divi division division of ages is is that's got to be a little bit difficult to manage. Yeah, it it has its challenges, but you know they're great kids. But um, that's awesome. So yeah, 2019, 2018, um, you know, was a good year for me. You know, I wasn't on any medication. I was exercising a lot. I was feeling a lot better. Um, you know, mentally, you're dealing with it better, and you know, kind of felt like okay, I got this. Um, and I really wanted. 2019, I said, you know, I got to do something, you know, like to challenge myself a little more. So I um, signed up for a triathlon okay. to happen in August. Uh, turns out I'm still not a great swimmer. So um, <laughs> I was in the pool a lot and I was swimming, but I think with still, you know, your lungs not quite being what they should be. Uh, I was really struggling with that part of it. And so my wife said, Hey, you know what? You should probably just do the duathlon. You know, do the run, bike, run. It's at the same, it's the same race, just do it differently. So okay. in August of 2019, went to Luray, Virginia, and did the Luray uh, duathlon. That's a beautiful completed. area, by the way, right? The mountains and all that up there is just gorgeous. It is. It's also yeah. very hilly, which it is. I know being in Roanoke, you know how that is. So sure. that, yep. that had its own set of challenges. But, um, you know, that was really the high point. Yeah. You know, so, so the duathlon, how, how, so you run, bike, run, how far do you run? How far do you bike? Then how far do you run again? Uh, first run, I think was 1.7 miles. Okay. And then the bike's about 25 miles and then come back and run a 10 K. That's a pretty good workout. It is. <laughs> it's yeah. a very good Holy workout. Cow. Yeah. That's a hard workout. So how long did it take you to do that? Do you remember? I do not. Um, okay. I, you know, I, I really, <clears throat> For me, it was just a completion thing, you know, right. um, you know, there are plenty of people on the course still, so I didn't feel too bad. Um, okay. All right. So I just, you, you know, just wanted to get through it. You felt like your old Marine self again. Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like, you know, it was important to kind of do it for myself to feel like the sarcoidosis wasn't going to get the best of me, you know? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I think I lived that every single day still. And I've heard that from other people on the podcast. You've listened to the podcast. So I know, I know, you know that. And I'm amazed at the number of people who have sarcoidosis, who have an active lifestyle and to whom being active is important and to whom uh, you want to stick it to sarcoidosis by saying, look, look what I just did. Uh, I am still out there doing this stuff and and take that sarcoidosis. Is that kind of the feeling you had? Yes, it is. And also knowing that I know that there's a lot of people that have sarcoidosis who, you know, aren't as fortunate as me. Um, yeah, that for him, it's a lot more debilitating. And so, you know, really just, you know, I was thankful for where I was able to get and wanted to, you know, take advantage of it and and you know live life kind of to the fullest you know in that way yeah and and hopefully be able to you know, motivate others who may be struggling to say hey 
it can be done. Maybe not to this level, but you know, you just got to get out there and, and right. keep trying. You know, right. so so. But your your Sark took it wasn't done with you yet, was it? No, it wasn't. So twenty twenty, you know, was going to be a big year probably for a lot of us. Um, you know, I was thinking, hey, I'm gonna run, do maybe do two races or whatever. And then of course, COVID hits, the gym shut down. Um, my, I was fortunate to stay employed, but my work was really, really busy. So it went from being a really busy job to being, you know, a 15 hour a day job a lot. Um, which like I said, I'm thankful for because others weren't as fortunate, but, um, you know, I really stopped exercising, you know, kind of got off track and then towards the end of 2021, I took a different position. I traveled more. And, you know, got out of routines. Um, and then 2022, at the beginning of the year, I got COVID. Um, the whole family did, wife, kids. We all got it. And, um, you know, of course, the kids were fine in about four hours. And right. my wife and I took a couple of days to get better. Um, you had, been, you had been vaccinated and everything? Yes, I was vaccinated. Yeah. yeah, but you still, but you still, you still got. That's what happened to me. But it wasn't, it wasn't a terribly bad case like it was early in the pandemic. Was that your situation? Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, down for a couple of days, but then, you know, no need to. Didn't seem like I need to go see the doctor or anything. Just you know, knew what it was and rest and you know, do your normal stuff. Um, but I got pneumonia afterwards. About three weeks after, I got pneumonia. Hmm. You know, which is kind of thought that might happen with uh, being sick and having sarcoidosis. So right. you did some antibiotics, some prednisone. Um, then about a month after the first bout of pneumonia, caught it again. So I had gone back to like a you know patient first, basically saying, hey, I know what's going on here. Just need some antibiotics. And the person that was kind of checking me in said, has anybody ever told you of your regular heartbeat? And I said, no. You know, they... I usually have at least one or two EKGs a year because the doctors at UVA were always checking to make sure my heart was okay. And I said, no, it's fine. You know, and he said, I don't think so. They did EKG and they're like, yeah, you got a regular heartbeat. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'll just bring it up next time I'm at UVA to see my pulmonary doctor, which was probably three months later. Uh, so I did. And they looked at it and, said, yeah, something's going on here. We need to you know, do some additional testing. So I think it was July of last year, maybe August, late July, um, did some PET scans, cardiac MRI. Um, and, you know, I was really hopeful that it was going to be some myocarditis, you know, which was, could have, you know, could have caused this, you know, some post COVID, something that would clear up. But when they did the PET scan, they came back and they said, no, you have sarcoidosis in your in your heart now. So um, about 6%, you know, of it was inflamed, um, it had some scarring. So at that level, they felt it was necessary to put in a, you know, a defibrillator um, mm. as, a, as a backup me measure. So um, November, I had that uh, put in. And, uh, of course, once they saw it, the PET scan, they put me back on prednisone. And then after uh, the defibrillator was put in and I recovered from that, they started me on a medicine called Celsep, which Celsep. I'm still on. Okay. Yeah. So now it's just into that waiting game. Um, next month I have to go back and get uh, follow-up PET scans. 
so we can kind of see if we are able to get the sarcoidosis under control yet or whether we'll have to, you know, escalate to maybe some higher levels of, you know, medication to try to stop it. But hopefully it will have, you know, kind of frozen at some of its tracks and we can try to move on with a, with the new normal. Wow. So 6% involvement. So you had scar tissue in your heart. Do you know, do you know where without getting too deep into the medical explanation? Um, I believe the, uh, left lower. Okay. And heart. How, do they suspect maybe you had that all along and it just didn't show up or was that a, a new presentation? It was new because I mean, I'd had, I think maybe 12 months before had had like an echo and okay. they'd never seen, they'd never seen anything. And I never had any regular heartbeat, but you know, started having uh, PVCs, you know, the premature ventricular contractions. Um, that's what they first picked up on. And I still have the, the some to this day. Right. So what is your walking around daily life like right now? It is interesting. Um, I think I heard you say on maybe one of your last podcast about, you know, I think you've gone out fishing or something and you're yeah. really surprised. Mm -hmm. I think that happens to me more now than before. Yeah. Um, and you know, where it's just like, Hey, this is something that I'm normally do. You know, this is something that's always been an easy activity for me and it's just devastatingly hard. Uh, you know, I'd really gotten used to the pulmonary sarcoidosis and kind of my limits there. Uh, but the cardiac involvement, and I think with their regular heartbeat, it probably contributes to just some fatigue, um, shortness, more shortness of breath than I was used to. And it just makes it a little more challenging to do physical stuff. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm trying to get back on the horse as far as exercising, um. But, you know, with the young kids, you know, I stay pretty active, whether it's just chasing them around, jumping on the trampoline with them or, you know, playing soccer with them, stuff like that. But it definitely has slowed me down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel bad for you. But the, the fact is that you're still able to do that kind of stuff. You still feel like you can go out and jump on the trampoline, for instance. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I am, I still consider myself really fortunate. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm really thankful for the medical care I've had and, you know, the amazing support group, you know, with my, my wife has just been wonderful um, through all this. You know, it's, it's not something that just affects us <laughs> as far as the people that have it. Um, you know, my wife is a lot younger than me. And, you know, I, I told the other day, I said, I bet you thought you were going to marry someone healthy and normal, didn't you? And, you know, and they have to go through this with us and have to deal with, you know, the uncertainty of what's going to come next. Is this going to get worse? Is this going to be debilitating? You know, we have young kids and, you know, that's a lot of stress. But, um, you know, for me, I just, it, I keep just trying to, to push harder. Um, just for me mentally, that's right. the only way I can kind of, kind of handle it is right. to, try to find ways to push myself and to keep trying to get healthier and, and really try to not let it limit my life too much, but it is hard because I think we all know it's, 
you know, the fatigue and many other things that happen that go along with sarcoidosis. It's not just what's going on in that one organ or two organs. It's a, it likes to have its effects on many parts of our bodies and that can be challenging. Yeah. Do your doctors feel like they have halted the spread of sarcoidosis in your body? I think it's, you you know, a year ago I said yes, (laughs) because, you know, my lungs look just as good as they did maybe four or five years ago. And my lung function had really almost returned to normal. And obviously I was able to exercise. Um, But I think it's still up in the air now because, you know, we're going to have to see if the treatment is helping the spread in the, in the heart. Um, But I mean, they see it other places, you know, which they'd never talked, but my doctor's like, yeah, you got in your spleen. He's like, but that's kind of a throwaway organ. We don't care about that. You but know. it's in, it is in your spleen. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, but he's like, it's not uncommon. He's like, it's not a, what they would consider a vital organ. So sure. Um, he's like, but your liver looks good. Your kidneys look good. But, um, you know, there's always those worries, you know, yeah. that it yeah. could pop up. So you just don't know. So you're a fitness guy. Uh, I, I'm just, again, I'm so amazed. I'm, I mean, I'm a fitness guy and maybe I just key in on that more than average, but it seems like I've just had a run of people who, uh, on the podcast who are fitness people. How do you, how do you define the line between trying to stay fit and making your body as strong as it can be, which in my mind is, is being healthy. So trying to be as healthy as you can be and not pushing to the point where you feel like you're damaging yourself because you're pushing past what Sark's going to let you do. How do you draw that line? That's a really good question. Uh, I think right now, uh, my doctor's recommendation was just don't do anything new. Cause I asked him, I was like, you with the heart stuff, what, how should I treat this differently than I've been doing with the lungs? He said, I wouldn't try any new exercises, you know, do stuff you're familiar with. So you kind of know where your limit is. Um, I've always felt like it, I didn't worry about pushing too hard, you know? I mean, I'm 44 years old, so there's, you know, going to be some natural limits that are starting to come into play. And so, you know, you kind of know when to back off um, naturally, just because you're getting older, you know? Getting older, sure. Yeah. So your body tells you pretty well um, that you're, yeah, you need to uh need to tone it down. So I just feel like I just keep pushing. Yeah, I just want to keep pushing as hard as I can. Um and you know, and trying to see where that limit is. Cause I don't I don't think I've found it yet, you know. And but I believe the exercise is important, as you said, to try to stay healthy. You know, we have this disease that's in us that might get worse, it might get better, might mm-hmm. you know, do a lot of different things, but I know that the more healthy and stronger and fit your body is, the better odds you're going to make it through. Yeah, for sure. I, so I agree with that. How about your eating? Have you have you decided, oh, I'm just going to eat spinach and healthy green vegetables now? Or or do you, are you still a cheeseburger guy? Or were you ever a cheeseburger guy? Yes, I was. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I my wife is very uh, food conscious and health conscious uh you know we have a i guess you call it maybe a, a small farm here 
Okay. We have some chickens. We used to have a cow, but she gardens a lot, you know, raises a lot of food. And so she helped me get my, my diet straight. Um, so probably for about maybe last six, seven years, you know, really, I stopped drinking soda probably seven years ago. Um, I don't think I've ate probably fast food in probably five or six years. Um, wow. But I've been on keto for about be two years in August. And okay. that is was that a diet. To, is, that, just, is that to get rid of the weight from the prednisone by any chance? So there was a time um, about a year and a half ago that they were worried about some uh, neurosarcoidosis. They didn't find anything, but I had some seizure-like activity. Oof. And so keto has always been something that's been an option for seizure disorders. So I tried it. Yes, I lost weight, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I also felt better on it. And I've always kind of struggled with, you know, stomach GI issues and, and uh, getting away from the carbs just really felt good. And it's just worked for me. Um, I'm not, I like food, but I'm not like a real foodie. And so mm -hmm. I can eat the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't bother me. So uh, it, keto works for me. And so, so far I'm just going to stick with it. Gotcha. Well, you're very fortunate. The other thing I want to ask you is, is have you gone to counseling or have you considered counseling as you try to cope with the setbacks that come with all of this? That's a good question. I've considered it. Um, I've, it's probably something I should do uh, because, you know, I've, I've battled depression my entire life since I was a child. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the physical issues tend to kind of compound on top of that. But but it hasn't something been something I've done for a long time. Uh, but I have actually thought about it more in the last few years. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Matthew, I would say to you that uh, it helped me immensely. And uh, I, prednisone exacerbated any negative feelings I might have had about anything. And uh, I had became I had a hair trigger. Uh, and I would snap at people that I wouldn't normally snap at. And I was just mad and angry all the time. And so I went and talked to people for about a year and that, that certainly helped me deal with it. So, and I've heard that from numerous other people on the podcast as well. So if you hadn't considered it, uh, I, you know, it's kind of an odd thing to do if it's, it hasn't been a part of your life, but, um, it helped me, I got to tell you, so just go talk to somebody. No, that's that's great advice. It really is. Yeah. All right. And so, any any closing thoughts for us here as you uh, look forward to your future, maybe uh, as you're you're dealing with what seems to be uh, a declining pulmonary but a progressing cardiac situation. Yeah i I guess I would say that uh, first of all, I really appreciate your podcast and you being able to you know, get this information. I think probably most people, the first time they ever hear sarcoidosis is when they're diagnosed. And, you know, so the foundation for sarcoidosis, sarcoidosis research, the Bernie Mac foundation is great to see these other people out there getting the word out. Um, you know, for anybody that has it, I would just say that you really just, wherever you are, that's okay. Um, you know, with your, but if you can, you know, be active, just, just try it. You know, I, from being, not being able to run 80 yards to running a duathlon, 
was a big journey, but it was worth it completely. So if it's, you know, if it's 15 steps, then take 15 steps. You know, if you can run a mile, great. But if you can't, just wherever you are, you know, try to be more active. I think just if nothing else mentally, the fact that you feel like you're pushing back against something that's been really, you know, devastating in your life can give you some, a moral victory. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my medical team um, at UVA. They've been great. Um, and I'm really thankful for my family and all the support, um, especially for my wife. You know, I, there's no way I could have walked down this road without the people around me to support and help me. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to the future. I don't know what's going to hold, um, but I want to make the most of it and try to, you know, for those that know what's going on to say, hey, this is what we can do. This, this is where we can go. Um, I'm not going to let this disease define my life, but I'm going to try to live my life to the fullest while ha having sarcoidosis. And I really appreciate you. Congrats on your upcoming award. Um, Thank you. That, that is quite, that's quite an achievement and it's, and it's well-deserved. Thank you, Matthew Campbell. Thank you for sharing your story today on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. Thanks to Matthew for sharing his story. And of course, uh, I'm sure we all wish him the very best as he moves forward, trying to get back to his life, his wife, his young children, and some version of his fitness routine. Uh, I can speak to that personally. I have many times. And if you're a fitness person and sarcoidosis is keeping you from doing that for whatever reason, um, it's a game changer. You have to live the life that you set out to live. And let's let's hope that he can do that. Uh, I do also want to remind you that fellow Sark fighter Royce Robertson has had a bit of a setback. He's doing the fundraising bike ride that will take three days to complete. He's riding from Buffalo to Syracuse, New York. But as I'm recording this, I can tell you that if you've been watching the news, there's been a lot of talk for the past week about the smoke from the Canadian wildfires that's coming down into the United States. On the news last night, we showed pictures of New York City, and you could barely see the skyline because of all the smoke. Well, and Royce is north of New York City. He's much closer to Canada. And he wrote to say that while the fundraising is going well, the ride is being delayed because of the air quality. It's so bad. And his doctor has said to him, don't ride your bike. Don't go out there and ride for three days in that smoke. It is not advisable for, for you or really probably for anybody to do that. But people who are compromised by sarcoidosis should not be doing that. So Royce wrote to say that the ride has been delayed until the smoke clears, but in the meantime, you can still donate. He's calling the event Cycle for Sark. I've made a donation to his account as part of KISS, Kick In to Stop Sarcoidosis. All the information's in the show notes, or you go to the FSR website. You join on, it's very easy, you join on, you click on Join Team KISS and scroll down to Royce's page. It's called Cycle for Sark. 
And um, so you can you can still help him out and know that uh, he's waiting for the smoke to clear and he's going to set off on this epic bike ride. And uh, if we can put it all together next year, I hope to join him and I want to start recruiting you, members of the audience, to come and join us and do a huge fundraiser on this uh, bike ride across New York State. All right, now here as promised is the clip from my speech at the gala. It's, um, it's my honor, though, to present, present John. Um, on January the 9th, 2020, a trailer dropped for a new podcast with the goal of giving those fighting for sarcoidosis a voice and to give them hope. In his trailer, John Carlin, an anchor on WSLS 10 Evening News, boldly shared bits about his own harrowing sarcoidosis journey and pledged to use his unique skills as a reporter to share with the community cutting edge information on the disease, the latest progress in research, and to highlight other patient stories. Little did John or any of us know that COVID-19 was right around the corner. For those of us living with sarcoidosis and those caring for us, the start of the pandemic was an intensely uncertain, scary, and isolating time. During those lonely and challenging times, the Sark Fighter podcast became a beacon of hope, a gathering place to learn, be heard, and witness stories of other Sark warriors. Sarcoidosis patients, advocates, caregivers, and pharmaceutical companies tuned in. They tuned in in droves, quickly resulting in over 60,000 listeners from around the world. The power of the Sark Fighter podcast is John's authenticity, empathy, and intense curiosity. As the host of the podcast, John asks pressing questions, seeks out critical information, and has carved out a safe space for honest human stories to be shared. As an invited guest to that podcast, I felt welcomed, empowered to share my story, and encouraged to find my community of fellow sarcoidosis warriors. I am not alone. In this podcast, John has created a platform that encourages people to use their voice to seek out others with similar experiences and to take action to raise awareness. But John does not sit on the sidelines, but demands action be taken. He has worked side by side with FSR and our industry partners to raise awareness about the importance of participation in clinical trials and he's encouraged others to learn more and to get involved. He's interviewed our patient advisory groups, highlighting their important work on national campaigns, such as Make It Visible, Stand Up for Sark, and Ignore No More campaigns. As a crucial part of FSR's town hall series, John has skillfully motivated panel discussions with leading clinicians researchers, pharmaceutical, and other industry partners, as well as his fellow patients and FSR staff to highlight topics of most interest to patients and their loved ones. John's probing questions have unearthed 
powerful insights, encouraging patients to re-examine or expand strategies in innovative ways that will help to improve the lives of those impacted by sarcoidosis. In addition to all his efforts with the Sark Fighter podcast, John has inspired others in the community as an FSR patient advocate and chair of the Patient Advisory Committee, of the FSR Patient Advisory Committee. John is a leader among leaders, always encouraging his fellow volunteers to see new and creative ways to raise awareness. And now, as a very familiar and trusted voice of sarcoidosis on the air, in our homes, and certainly in our hearts, we're indebted to you, John. So on behalf of my fellow Patient Advisory Committee members and FSR, it is my distinct honor to bestow the inaugural FSR Crystal Sarcoidosis Inspiration Award to my friend, John Carlin, for his extraordinary leadership. I had a little more to say, but <laughs> presenting John Carlin. Thank you so much, Calvin, for that wonderful introduction. And uh, did someone just call the horses in? Or sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, you may have noticed the music as I walked up. Hopefully some of you have heard that before. That is a song called Zombie by our fellow Sark fighter, Mark Steyer. He lives in Alberta, Canada. And it is the official theme song of the Sark fighter podcast. And I just want to go off script for just a moment and tell you that right after I started this, I got this crazy email and a guy said, I wrote this song and... You might be interested in it, and I've kind of got this sarcoidosis story myself, and he sent me, and I thought it was going to be something he recorded in his basement, and instead it was this beautiful song that's very catchy. I walk around whistling the song, and other, other listeners have told me the same thing, and, uh, and he turned out to be a, a studio musician, and he was just amazing. He's been on the podcast, uh, and he, has, he was a hockey player, and all of a sudden he couldn't go. Uh, but he's also a musician, and, and he wrote the song Zombie. And if you listen to the lyrics, he is telling everybody's story in this room tonight. It's just amazing. And so that's, that's just kind of the thing that started happening with this podcast, when it started to get going. Um, and it just felt like that I was making the right decision. And, and that was just one of the things. So uh, I wanted to acknowledge Mark, but I also wanted to just say that that if you ever get a chance to listen to that song, we play the, the song in its entirety, sometimes on the FSR Sarkfighter podcast, those, those lyrics will haunt you. They really will. Uh, whether you're a clinician, whether you're a patient, whether you're a researcher, uh, he really, really did a, did a great service to that, to that uh, story. So um, I didn't mean to go so far off this. I know I'm between you and getting home to your loved ones tonight, but... Uh, I do have a couple of thank yous, and I'll just tell you a, br a brief story and show you a terrible picture of me, and, the, and then you can go home. Uh, 
Uh, and the other thing I want to say is, is uh, as, as somebody who's in, kind of in show business, I'm in, I'm in news, they say never go on after children or animals because you'll, you'll never be able to keep anybody's attention. And I want to add to that, never go on after Gerald Prescott Galleon. Because, right? I mean, right? Wow, I mean, not only is she incredible, but that dress, right? You know, so, I wore a purple tie. I thought that was going to be a big deal tonight. I want to thank Mary McGowan and the leadership team at FSR uh, for their support in, in recognizing my little project with this award. Uh, and it is certainly humbling to be awarded in the company of Drs. Uh, Mensa and Dr. Drent couldn't be here tonight. And, and as I mentioned, um, Gerald Prescott Galleon. Uh, all of you do tremendous work for the uh, better understanding, the better fight of sarcoidosis. And so how about a round of applause for all of these honorees here tonight. Thank you to all of you. And, and, and I would like to mention that there are some openings on the podcast if any of you would like to you know, join me. You know, just, you know, big hitter helps every once in a while. Um, I do have to thank my wife, Mary, who's sitting down here. Mary didn't sign up to be a spouse of someone with sarcoidosis. She didn't sign up for, uh, and this will be meaningful to many of you, years of irritability because of prednisone, right? Uh, or the multiple trips to the hospital, the ER. My son Ben is here. And I, actually, my whole family surprised me by showing up. My sons, Jonathan and Ben and Tyler and their wives, Alice and Emily and Beth. The last time I had a flare, we had about 14 inches of snow, and luckily Ben has a big four-wheel drive pickup truck and took me to the ER, so, so thank you for that, Ben. But Mary didn't sign up for all of that, or for the regular trips to the Cleveland Clinic, which is seven hours from my home on a regular basis. So I just want to say that, that you know, the caregivers, uh, like Mary, are very understanding, and Mary's also very understanding of the time that I devote to this podcast whether it's the recording, the writing, the editing, it is very, very time-consuming, and I have to borrow sometimes that time from family activities. So I just want to say, Mary, you're a real champ, and thank you, honey. I really, really appreciate that very much. Uh, the, the, the fact is that there would be no podcast without the guests, the, uh, the people who have joined me, to share their stories about how sarcoidosis has upended their lives, the lives of their loved ones, and for really in this HIPAA world where you're not supposed to ask anything about anybody's health, voluntarily coming on the podcast and just letting it all hang out and telling me and telling the world their stories in very intimate detail. So thank you so much to the guests who have come on the podcast. That's really, I'm just the conduit to their stories, and, and their stories are what make it real. So thank you so much to the guests as well. Uh, I need, of course, also to mention the clinicians, the researchers, the pharma companies, the industry guests, and, and FSR itself, for all the valuable information 
that we've been able to impart on the show. It's, it's been called the voice of sarcoidosis. I can't think of a, a greater compliment than to hear somebody say that. And, and so to all of you who, who have made it work, uh, that's, that is why I'm standing here tonight. Again, I, I'm just the conduit to all of that. Now, I'll just tell you briefly, I started the Sark Fighter podcast because I wanted to use my particular skill, uh, my skill set as, as a broadcaster, journalist, and actually a, a former practitioner of public relations to help, to kind of see the big picture and then to, and to find the parts and delve into that and, and bring it all together. Um, so I want to actually, I want to show you some slides of what I looked like. Yeah, there you go. When I was on 80 milligrams of prednisone, right? And, and people, my viewers on Channel 10 for 30 years have known me as, as a fitness guy. I, we did lots of stories. I was a marathon runner. So I was like this, this fit guy, and I started showing up looking like this uh, because of the swelling on my spinal cord back here where the damage actually was and is still significant. In fact, two different neurologists have looked at my MRIs uh, and independently told me and still tell me that they're surprised I can walk. The, the damage is that bad on my spinal cord. And so um, they started filling me up with this prednisone. And then for good measure, they also set me up in 2019 for regular doses of a chemotherapy drug called cytoxin, which some of you may be familiar with. And, and none of those is a party. Um, but I was still on TV every night. I was still doing the news. And then my face got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just looked sick on TV. And viewers began to send in emails. And they weren't complaining. They were concerned. These were like, bless your heart kind of emails. Like, what is wrong with you, John? And so my co-anchor at the time did a story on me explaining what was wrong, and it went on our website, and then the, uh, the sarcoidosis folks had a crawler out there, and they found the story. I wasn't involved with FSR at the time. Um, and so they surfaced it, and I started getting contacted from people from all over the country and all over the world saying, please, thank you for telling the story, because people don't know the story. People don't know about sarcoidosis, so that's when I thought I needed to do something. And at that point, uh, it was pre-pandemic, and podcasts were not as common as they are today. I had no idea uh, how the technology came together, how the software all came together. Uh, I didn't know if uh, I could find a sustainable number of people who might be uh, willing to come on and share their stories. I thought maybe I could find a clinician. Maybe my own doctor would come on and talk about this. I thought, where would I find these people? Where would I find these SARC patients? Because like most SARC patients, I didn't know anybody who had sarcoidosis, right? Very common story. I've heard it over and over and over now with the folks I've interviewed, dozens and dozens of people who have come on and shared their story. Um, and yet, this experiment that was launched in February of 2020, as Calvin mentioned, from my home office, formerly the bedroom of my oldest son, Jonathan, who is here tonight. Jonathan, I'm sorry you have to come home and see uh, that your, office, your, your bedroom is now an office and a podcast studio. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm sure that feels a little weird. Um, but we've had 60,000 downloads so far. 
all around the world. And, and that number just keeps growing. The, uh, the, the pace of the downloads is, continues to increase. Uh, and if all of you just want to take out your phone right now and look for Sark Fighter on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. I appreciate that. Share it with your friends. Um, okay, I never missed an opportunity. But, you know, really what I suspect is that people were looking for an outlet to tell their stories because there's no one to talk to, right? They were looking for an opportunity, even if it meant sharing uh, some of their weaknesses literally with the entire world. So because there is no one to talk to about this except maybe the sarcoidosis community, and the sarcoidosis community has told me that they are leaning in. They are leaning in to hear every word because they want to know what it is that they have and what other SARC patients have, and they want to know how bad it might be. They want to know if it'll go away. They want to know if there is hope, and they want it straightforward, without hyperbola or exaggeration, and I was seeing that a lot on the forums, people just going off, and you couldn't separate fact from fiction. That's where I thought my, my journalism background could help, where we could just, just get down to it. Let's say, what's really going on with people, and, and share that story. So the FSR, Sark Fighter Podcast, works because the patients, the medical community, and the wonderful people led by Mary at FSR are, are channeling their voices through the podcast so the rest of our orphan disease community can listen, they can learn, and most of all, and this is what I talk about in every podcast, feel a sense of hope. So thank you all so much. Thank you to FSR. I really appreciate the recognition here tonight. Thank you again. All right, the official Sark Finder song called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. Did you hear it? Did you hear it in the beginning as I, as I walked up? Uh, I just loved that. Uh, and you can hear Mark's story, the story behind the lyrics, as I tell you every podcast in episode 12. And Mark, thank you so much. Of course, I release the podcast every other Monday. I hope you know that by now as I'm speaking today. My trusty dog, Dougal, my boxer, is curled up on the chair in my office. He makes my life so much better. The backstory to the founding for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Don't forget to follow the Sark Fighter podcast on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. I'm even on Peloton as Sark Fighter. My cycling blog called Carlin the Cyclist has a section about cycling with sarcoidosis. If you're new here and you just want to know what sarcoidosis is, maybe you've been recently diagnosed or a family member has, try listening to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart, all the ABCs of sarcoidosis. And my story about dealing with sarcoidosis is episode one. If you want to appear on the podcast or send me a comment or ask me a question, maybe some guidance, and I've been getting more and more questions from listeners wanting to know what they should do next because they've been diagnosed uh, and they don't know what, what to do next, where to go, help find a doctor. Um, if I can't tell you, I'll point you in the right direction through my connections with FSR. Um, please send me an email, carlinagency at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. Um, also, 
Uh, please, it does help reach more people and grow the podcast if you share it on your social media. And if you like it, the best thing you can do is just tell one person. So please subscribe, give the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your downloads. And until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain, son.